The MX Vice Show. Alright, welcome to episode 142 of the MX Vice Show. We have an action-packed show ready to play as we look back on the MXGP of Turkey and talk some motocross the nations with the great man Lorenzo Resta, who's also got some cool things in the pipeline for Majora coming up. So before we get stuck into that, we'd like to thank our sponsor for the start of this one in Parts Europe. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport. Tagline is fortified through the Thor and Moose house brands and their support of World Elite MX riders like Blandrin, Prado, Langenfelder, Guadagnini, Jonas, Bogus, and nine times world champ and Thor ambassador Tony Cairoli. Your parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross and enduro bike. Necken, Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Cycra, Renthal Recluse, and many more are in stock ready to be shipped. Check out their website at partsyourup.eu or contact your local Parts Europe dealer. With a dealer network of over 10,000 shops, we're sure there is one close to you. All right, how are we going, Lorenzo? Thanks for taking the time in your busy schedule, mate. So how's life and how is Turkey? <laughs> I, uh, everything is okay, thank you. Thanks for waiting me a little bit more than usual. Uh, I mean, it was... It was a great one. Uh, we had a, a little bit everything uh, yeah. happening there because we had uh, the qualifying race cancelled for a big storm that is, to me, quite unusual in uh, in Turkey. Okay, rain happens in Turkey sometimes, but this time it was really like a storm with heavy wind, and uh, uh, it was quite tricky in uh, in a moment. So it was the right decision to give up on the, on the qualifying race. Uh, that could be a little advantage, really little for for uh, Jorge, for example, uh, but mm. can be also a problem because you you never know. Maybe he, he, he was uh, uh, winning the race uh, in case the race happened, and then uh, it could have been a different uh, uh, Grand Prix for him, or maybe we'll have had the problem of the second corner, like in the two motos, yeah, and then it would be a bigger disaster. But uh, yeah, then we had this, that's really unusual for Prado, having uh, two difficult motos uh, with two fantastic starts. So that was uh, quite unusual. And then we had uh, Courtney Duncan uh, being uh, world champion for the fourth time. Uh, what is great because she's back on the top of the on the top of the world on the first step of the championship, and we had also one uh, great uh, champion as uh, Andrea Bonacorsi as just joking. Eh? Please don't take me so serious, but uh, I was uh, joking a little bit uh, and having fun with Ray Archer, and I told him, told him, you know. Uh, our star factory never stops. We give to motocross stars every year. <laughs> so, of course, joking a little bit. But yeah, it could be the first uh, of maybe two titles, two Italian titles. What uh, I really hope it will uh, go in this way, even if it was a really difficult weekend, even for Andrea, like it was for Prado. So a really interesting uh, weekend, I, I have to say. Yeah, it was certainly interesting, mate. I guess, how did the track form up? You know, maybe the rain did it some good. We were mentioning last week, it's just such a hard, sort of treacherous place that forms quite interestingly. Often provides some pretty interesting racing, probably 
you know, better than some of the past weeks, say in Sweden or whatever. But it wasn't too bad. The racing, the wave sections are always fun to watch those guys sort of pinning it through there and getting the momentum out of the corner. But what were some of the key takeaways from the track for you just before we get started and how did the rain affect it? Uh, I think as you that the rain have uh, even I was talking with uh, with one guy that works uh, uh, for Infront uh, on Sunday morning. And I was concerned because I saw a lot of water on the track. And I said, and the guy was with, with the hands on his head. And I said, okay, that's not a good sign. And he said, no, sorry, I was just tired because we have been working on track a lot. And uh, But I think the track will look really, really nice. Maybe just for the girls' race, it was a little bit tough uh, for them because just few of them are really good on uh, on riding in those conditions, you know. I saw some of the girls weren't able to just complete the first lap. So that was a bit of a problem and a problem also for uh, some of the good riders because they found uh, a lot of uh, lap rider just in the middle of the best possible lines. So first race was a little bit difficult, but for the rest, it was really good. Already for the European EMX 250 race, the second moto, was the track was probably the best of the day then already with the um, race one mx2 some spot was dry and already quite dusty what was looking incredible to me but the fact is that the track is so hard underneath that uh that yeah i mean it's uh it's just you know uh, it dries really really quick and it was also windy so it was drying even uh faster but for the rest it was uh it was a good one I have to say that again, it was not so easy to pass to overtake, and you can see it with the bad starts from Siwa or from uh, Prado, uh, from Andrea. It was quite tricky. It was not the ideal condition to try to make a recover. Um, in the first places, uh, it was a little bit better. Like uh, for example, uh, um, Valerio Lata, he started fifth uh, in the second moto, and he was able to catch. Karsamagers for the victory. Then he crashed, but uh, 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 he was he was fighting for the victory. And Andrea Bonacorsi was like fifth or sixth at the start. It was then winning, so passing quite easy. And the same was for uh, uh, Maxime Renault that uh, didn't have a brilliant start in the first moto. It was like eighth or ninth, and he was able to come back on top three that was a very very good race i have to say i was impressed by him and looks really good for the nations for for the team friends uh for the rest uh, i just like to see a couple of more lines you know on track on some corners uh to give just the chance to pick up one or, or another line in few places it was like that uh, you can see it on the, the end of race two, MX two, where Andrea was trying to catch Iago. It was it was uh, clear that he was faster, but he wasn't able to pass. He wasn't able to do that move. He was trying in a couple of places to do a different line, uh, same line that, for example, uh, um, um, Liam Evers did to pass uh, uh, Horgmo. Uh, with a very very nice uh, overtake so and also Andrea while he was passing um, uh, Lagenfelder he did a fantastic it was the Alpine star corner after uh, uh, the the pit lane straight and the pass was really good Uh, so it was interesting uh, for me this time the track 
but still there is something that has to be done to just make uh, more easy to pass. Just this. For the rest, I think that this time we saw a track that was uh, enjoyable by the riders uh, with a good rhythm. Maybe a little bit too fast on Saturday. Andrea Bonacorsi was complaining a little bit about how fast it was and, and easy. Uh, if you see at the lap time on the practice, time and practice in EMX 250, the first four riders, they were in uh, 0.050 seconds. The first four, eh? Lata was third with 0.043. And Zanki was ahead, I don't know about something, but it was really, really uh, quick. And the the good riders were all on the same pace. Uh, But for the rest, it was interesting. uh, And and it was quite good because we didn't add high temperatures. We didn't add that kind of hat that uh, can affect a little bit the races. Absolutely, so, mate. And just some more Italians in there, mate. How bright's the future? Just quickly for the Italians. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's amazing. Andrea, I, I believe in Andrea since the beginning, uh, since uh, he was racing uh, with uh, the Celestini KTM team uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, I'm talking about 2018. And, uh, and he was already a good promising rider. Um, he's not probably the most stylish is not probably the most pure talented rider, but is a really hard worker and uh, he has a special character. He's a bit shy, but in the meantime, when he put his helmet on, he's uh, uh, kind of uh, able to unleash the beast and to just, you know, be really strong, uh, but never aggressive in a bad way. He's always... Uh, um, and is at the moment he is looking fantastic on strategy. He's always like waiting, waiting, waiting the good moment, uh, like he did with uh, Lata and Karsamakers. He was waiting like you you could think, okay, with a third place, he's already champion. He would just wait there in third place, you know, and maybe if they crash in front, he will. No, he was just waiting to see and to study the best line. So Andrea is not. Uh, the fastest guy also in acting it takes a while before he, he do it and this also the same way he approached the races and the changes so every time he had to change category team or something it takes a, a little while before he, he is on the I mean his best possible shape but then when he is he's really honestly fantastic and he's a sand rider, what is not so common for an Italian and what is not so common for a, such a young uh, kid. So uh, it will be interesting and we will see uh, a bright future for him. I don't expect him next year to come and start winning. Uh, as I said, it takes time with Andrea. So And Andrea, to me, is ready for a 450. As his body is already really strong and it's, uh, it's a kind of... Uh, yeah, big boy uh, with a super strong body. So for me, it's tall enough. It's he has everything to to compete. And I was curious if uh, uh, Mattia would not be able to compete at the uh, best possible level to see him on the four fifty in uh, Erne. But luckily for Mattia, Mattia is doing perfectly since the first race, so he will be uh, the one in the open class for the Italian team. Yeah, mate, it's impressive what Bonacorsi's doing. His development's great. He's really matured. He's disciplined. He's so committed. Know that he's putting all the work in, mate. So it's great to see all that hard work paying off. 
But I guess before we touch back on some of that stuff, tell us about Tim Geyser's weekend, mate. Brilliant effort. Just reading off the stats as he crossed the line from Paul Malin. 82nd moto win, 44th career victory, 101st podium. In his 6th GP back after the injury, it was a brilliant ride, even though he almost threw it away there. But super impressive. Loved that kind of track. And yeah, just let his skills do all the talking, mate. People were saying they expected a little bit sooner, but I think that he was just doing it well. There was no need for him to come out and be winning first up because you see, it takes a lot of time to get back to that level. You know, the level's so high in NXGP. So good on him for doing it his own way. Had a little bit of adversity, but at least he's still healthy and showing what he can do now, mate. Uh, 2024 is looking pretty ominous for the rest after that, isn't it? Yeah, I was talking with him uh, through the weekend as, uh, um, of course, uh, everyone was expecting him to be a little stronger uh, since the beginning. But I said to him, uh, it's not, of course, I'm not a genius, uh, but um, I just said to him, uh, I think that this can be your weekend. Uh, uh, as this track has something in common, I mean, the soil, this hard pack surface with with Lockett, where he was really, really quick. And I believe that uh, his training for, for the comeback was done mostly on the hard pack. Unfortunately for him, after Lockett, uh, where he was really fast, he was the fastest in practice. But then he wasn't able to to put everything together and uh, to have uh, his energy for a complete moto, then some heart pump and stuff like that, as this was the first race. But it was really the fastest immediate. And you can see that the training um, he, he had done for coming back, it was done mostly on the hard pack. And that was the first chance for him to be again on the hard pack because Sweden was a bit tricky track, was difficult. But Finland and Lommel and Harnem were sandy tracks. Uh, so it was not really the case for him to be so competitive in those tracks at the moment. It would be next year, of course, as it was able in past to win and we know it. But um, but yeah, I, I told him uh, before uh, the races that uh, it could have been his weekend. It was just smiling and laughing a little bit and say, why you say this? And I said, I don't know. I think that is really your your weekend. And then I told him again under the podium, I said, it's not because of me. That's for sure. It's just because of you. And uh, But I said, you see, uh, it was, and he was super happy. I have to say that uh, this kid, I mean, I call him kid, is uh, a man, but it was so uh, genuinely happy, you know, uh, with a big smile, with... And I think he has uh, this, this kind of feeling of sensation when everything finally is back together in place, you know, and to say, ah, yes, I'm back, I'm here. Now, the, the, the end of the season with the next three races on Harpac can be really good for him, as Majora loves Majora, as he loves Matthew Bessin, and of course, Erne. And, uh, but I think he will uh, race without pressure you know um there is not anymore this pressure to okay i need to be back i need to be back now it can be even more relaxed but i never saw him stressed this year to for his performance but i know for a champion is a little bit frustrating when you cannot put all together and have a good performance even if you are uh you know that is not yet the time it's still a little bit frustrating i think so I'm really happy that uh, it happens. Uh, the numbers, as you said, as you well said, uh, are fantastic. Uh, so statistically, it's, uh, it's incredible what he did. Uh, but, I think that's yeah. his first GP win since Turkey last year as well. So pretty cool. That yeah, is 
it was just 12 months or one year minus one day because it was the 4th September last year and it was the 3rd September this year. So it was just almost one year. I can I will say that he wasn't winning a race, but it was honestly only his sixth GP since that time as he didn't roll at the nation. And it's also nice to see him back at the nation because uh, uh, he didn't uh, make it uh, last year, and uh, and so it's it's important to have uh, someone like him in uh, in Erne because he's a plus value. I, I, I would like to see, to see all the good riders, all the good champions there. Uh, so that that will be always cool. Yeah, absolutely. Before we get to some of the other guys, just wanted to get your take on Guadagnini. Really cool to see him back out there, mate. It's been a long road back for him after that really horrible injury in France, which you, you know, described really well on the previous podcast we've had where it's really yeah. nasty. So it's great to see him out there. Obviously, he got the arm pump, he was saying, but really impressive, actually. He started off with that first moto really well. So I guess lots of positives to take for him, mate. And how was he on track in that turkey, mate? Was he pretty happy on that kind of a track, I guess? Yeah, of course, it was pretty happy. We uh, we were talking a little bit also, and uh, uh, he have done perfectly. What surprised me the most were the starts, because, you know, when you miss uh, the gate for so long, it's always tricky to take back this kind of uh, uh, ability to do a, a good start, because the first corner is really, really tricky. We saw with uh, Jeremy Sewer, Ray Archer did some of the best picture I ever seen about the crash, and really impressive with uh, with this big eye side, uh, and luckily for him, he was able to just <laughs> take his bike back. This makes me thinking a lot because I know riders. Uh, sorry, Jeffrey, I'm thinking about you. That with little crashes get injured. He has this kind of huge crash, and someone rode on him. I mean, Valentin Guillaume mm. just, of course, he could not avoid. To, to ride on him and and nothing happened. Of course, he will be a little bit bruised and uh, and sore probably on Monday morning. But still, he was able to ride and ride properly, ride very well, and doing a fantastic duel with Prado um, for for the for the position. So uh, it, it was a good ride. So Mattia was uh, surprised to see him immediately in front. Uh, good in the time practice, very good in the start, very good in the first moto till he could resist, you know, then uh, doing a complete moto on this level, at this speed, even if the track wasn't that demanding, it's always tricky. So the second moto then, he was a little bit more tired, of course, but still a positive race, I guess. Very, very good comeback uh, for him. Majora as a track where he already have won uh, with uh, uh, 250, taking his first and only at the moment red plate. So good memories for him over there with the KTM 250, the Carly. And uh, so, yeah, I guess uh, it, it's on a good moment uh, and it can uh, build up till friends to do a very good race in Hermione, I think. I reckon the team must have liked having him back under the awning too. He's very charismatic, very laughable, got a great personality, mate, very uplifting kind of a bloke. So that must have been pretty awesome too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's like this. is. uh it's a pretty nice guy. It's always uh, uh, thinking about new stuff. I have always plenty of ideas. Uh, it's not the kind of uh, shy and static uh, rider. It's always there's always something in his mind that is moving really quick, probably quicker than uh, than his bike uh, even. <laughs> yeah, well said, mate. And on to Roman Fevre now. 
you know, pretty good weekend on a track that he didn't feel super comfortable with, he was saying. So I guess he got out of those starts reasonably well, put him in pretty good positions. Probably would have been expecting to win again after his unbelievable recent form. I think that's still six overalls in the last eight for him anyway. So it's pretty impressive, mate. But I guess he just keeps the ball rolling and showing what he's all about. And you look for him to be a massive force in Majora and Madeley Base and to finish the season strong, even though at this point, yeah, Prado, something really bad needs to happen to him, even though he had a pretty shocking weekend by his standards. Definitely his worst GP of the year. Really strange happenings, bad luck in those first two. It was just odd, wasn't it? Yes, uh, Roman was doing well, uh, even if it's a track uh, where he said that he's not feeling so great. It's surprising to me because it's a kind of uh, uh, soil that you can find uh, in France sometimes. The French rather really good uh, there, like Tom Vial won so many times there. Um, I'm surprised also about the fact because also he, he came there uh, with his first podium. He came out with his first podium last year at the end of the season, first and yeah. only podium of the season. So uh, it's still a, a track where he, and he could win. He could have won because uh, he had a crash. Uh, otherwise, he could have even won the race last year. Uh, this year it was okay. He didn't make any mistakes. Uh, I was quite surprised to see him waiting so long uh, in third position uh, at the second race but then of course uh, it was um, probably just managing with his uh, uh, strong his strength and with this uh, uh, moment but uh, yeah I was surprised about the, the answer he was giving in the press conference uh, where they asked him if he was happy to be at the nation uh, to be selected uh, for the French team and he said, yeah, but, you know, I will just uh, uh, take my holidays a little bit later. That's all. Uh, and then this was a kind of answer that I wasn't expecting because uh, when you're selected as uh, like the captain of uh, the team uh, with the MXGP ride, as you are at the moment, the best French rider in 450 around, it's strange to to hear that, uh, okay, yes, I will be, uh, I will just... Uh, I move my holidays one week later, something like that. Uh, and and then when it was Maxime, and we know that uh, in between uh, Maxime and Roman, there is not this kind of uh, a big friendship. Uh, Maxime just said, uh, I don't care, I don't need holidays. That was all. So I'm really super happy to be to have been selected for my team, uh, for French, for my nation. I will do my best. It's something a little bit what you expect from a rider to to say when uh, when you talk about to be have been selected for your national team. There is one point for sure that uh, uh, we have to focus on for the nations is that Gauthier Polen will be for the first time uh, uh, the coach of the French the French team. Uh, he will have a really tough work this year because the three riders doesn't like each other so much. So I think that between Maxime and Tom were tr problems when they were really young uh, in the French Championship, but big problems. So they are not really friends. Uh, in between Maxime and uh, uh, Romain, there's still there's something that is not going on. And I'm not sure in between Romain and Tom, they're really friends. So the team uh, is probably one of the strongest. I mean, it's for sure one of the strongest, maybe even the stronger. But Gauthier need to be to do a very, very good job just to put all those three guys uh, in the same with the same mentality for the same target, the biggest and not the personal 
target. So I think uh, I think he, he can succeed. He was a very good uh, captain for the team for so long. He won five times in a row, so he know how to do it. And uh, it always have been also the most. Uh, uh, probably the, the guy who was just giving the line to the team always, you know, he was taking on his shoulder the team and uh, bringing to the next level. So I think that uh, he could do it even better uh, without riding because from outside he can see much more. And they have time now before Majora and after Matali Basin probably to just make kind of team building and uh, ride together and try to start thinking about the strategies for the race already. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting dynamic, mate. That's an excellent point because, uh, yeah, you, you kind of have to get along and there's obviously things you have to share with each other on the weekend. They can't just be like cage lions and let them out on the bike. There's a bit more to it than that at the Nations, mate. So it'll be really yeah. interesting in the lead up to see what goes on there. But I guess putting the focus on Renault, pretty impressive, mate. He keeps coming back well making really good progress, building well for the Nations and next year. Such a good rider, just great to have him back out there. We're sort of slowly getting all these guys back now with Mattia coming back on the weekend. So he's pretty impressive the way he's so mentally strong, isn't he? He wants to win. He's like February. He's got that little chip on his shoulder. He's not to be messed with, mate, when he's on the track, that's for sure. So another impressive performance from him from your perspective at the race, mate. Yeah, pretty pretty sure about You know, Maxim, it's... One of the riders that when you met on out of the track in the paddock and also because he has been in an Italian team for a long time, it's easy to talk with. He's really friendly, he's really, you know, and he talks pretty well Italian too. So it's a pleasure to to meet him and his family is always kind and nice around. Uh, but when he's on the track and when he wants something, oh my God, that, that's a little pain because... It's a kind of guy that uh, will not give up on his opinion, on his ideas, on what he wants. And that's very good, you know, on one side, because then he will do even more than 100% to to, uh, to do what he wants. And to give you just an example, I told you probably in this podcast already that I, while he was really young, he, he had a really, really bad injury. And the doctor said, you cannot ride anymore so stop motocross forever stop the the races that's for sure and he was probably 10 years old you know and very seriously he said to his parents okay doesn't matter if i cannot ride anymore i will just kill myself so uh, i stop suffering you know something like that and uh, i don't know if then this could happen but you can trust him i think and that was the same with his comeback this year as the team, Yamaha, everyone wanted him to come back in Turkey. That was the plan. That wasn't his plan. <laughs> but that was the plan of the team, the plan of everything. But wasn't his plan. His plan was to come back before, earlier. So he went back in Sweden before uh, the, the advice of everyone. He was fighting and he said really clearly, eh? he said, um, you can trust the honesty when he say this, you know, it's not the guy that uh, will say in a press conference or in an interview some bullshit just to make himself nicer or better or stronger. He said they want, they didn't want to let me ride, but I said I want to ride. I was riding and I'm happy that I did because I was using this race in Sweden just to regroup myself. Then Harnem to do a little bit better and now I'm able to be here on the podium and it's because I started earlier so I know it was a little bit of risk 
I know my foot is still painful. This We will work on this. But I wanted to do it. I want to finish the season on the high. I want to keep working all winter because I need to fight for the title in 2024. So that's the plan. Easy on one side. Really easy. I want to fight for the title in 2024. So I need to be back in a good shape now and to race now, not to start next year. And this is where the champions make the difference, you know. Um, I don't want to say that Maxim is a little bit like Andrea because they are completely different persons, but uh, Bonacorsi has this kind of, uh, uh, really, when he wants something, he will fight for it, even in the worst moment. And then also Maxim is probably not the purest talent you can have it on track or the most exciting rider to see riding in um, question of style, you know, but is probably one of the riders the toughest riders with himself first and then with the bike, with the rest. And he really wants. So his determination, it's probably the key of his success. And he always have won against something. Mostly of the time, against even his team or the people around him. Uh, like when he won the championship, uh, the MX2 championship, he didn't have the team by his side completely. Then he was able to put himself in a condition where he was the man. And so they, they had to pick up him as the man. But, um, but yeah, it's really interesting to me. This, this guy is strong and, uh, yeah, damn strong. Yeah, mate, excellent. Great points you make there. He's just a weapon, isn't he? And he's forced to be reckoned with. And, yeah, it's going to be so good in 24 seeing him. But another man that's really impressive, the progression he keeps making, Alberto Ferrado, mate, your countryman, first P5 overall, even though he got arm pumped, so it could have been better. And I was sort of thinking, <laughs> you look back at the guys that can make ground through the pack when they get bad starts, and you really only think of Fevra and hurlings don't you and then also ferrado there's not too many even though his starts if he could just pick them up a little bit it'd be amazing what he could do that podium would be around the corner mate but very impressive obviously on the nation's team for italy can't say enough about him and i guess another orange bike we need to talk about is hurlings not going to the nation so very interesting there mate i think 2023 it's been a bit rough for him he's had enough definitely can't blame him he's another one to reset and recalibrate the focus for 24 so just your thoughts on those orange riders there mate I mean, I make a question. I'll ask you a question. Who was the rider, one of the few, maybe the only one this year, able to overtake Jeffrey Erlings? Alberto right Ferrari. man. <laughs> <laughs> Who was able to start 13, 14 and come back on top six? Alberto Forato. Yeah. Alberto is a beast. He's a farmer. He's a timber, a timberjack. He's is a strong boy and he loves to do what he do. He's able to lose weight, he's able to train hard, he's able to do hours on the bike, but he loves to race. And uh, you can see from his smile when the, when he's on the bike, he's happy and he's doing well. Now I'm a little bit concerned about his future as at the moment, it's one of the few, probably in the top 10, the only one, that doesn't have an option, a realistic option for next year. And that's for me, is, is something, is, is mad, is crazy. Uh, you have a guy who is doing top five uh, with a private bike, with a private team. And this was on one of the few who was able to pass uh, on Jeffrey Erlings. 
And uh, so it, it's a really good one. So say, saying this, I hope that he will uh, find a good team and a good deal for next year, that he can uh, still fight for uh, uh, the top 10 at every race but he, because it's what he deserves. Um, I think that it's clear. He knows that he cannot fight for the title uh, because of many reasons, but just few can fight for the title. I mean, also Glenn Koldenov is probably training to fight for the title, but we know he will never fight for the title. But that's, this doesn't take nothing out of the value of those riders, you know, because they're really good, because they're super professional and they are giving 100% at every race. And uh, this is Alberto. Um, so well done also for, for the ride he will have at the nation. He will be the captain for Italy. Uh, it would be the most experienced guy in the team with an average of age of 21.3 years old. One of the youngest team. Probably, okay, of course, Australia is super young. Of course, Belgium is super young. But it's one of the youngest teams. The team has, are really young this year, the good teams. So it's really interesting also to see to see this kind of... Uh, but still, he's the most experienced rider of the team. So it would be really, really important for him to give a kind of line to the others. Uh, the group is really strong. The three like each other. The joke a lot. They spend time together. I have plenty of pictures uh, from uh, Turkey. While they were uh, on the side of the track, along with alongside with Tony Cairoli, talking, talking, talking. Same was in Arnhem, talking, 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 uh, commenting the race, uh, saying bullshits, uh, making jokes. That's good. That's good to build up a team. And Mattia, of course, is a part of uh, of this structure, of this team, of this spirit. So the team will be brilliant this year on at least atmosphere and uh, good sense of humor and, uh, you know, have being able to don't be too serious. Yeah. Uh, then we will see what happens uh, on, on track. For what concern uh, Jeffrey, I don't think he will uh, take a ride because uh, for the nation, uh, it starts to be a little late in the meaning that, uh, of course, Jeffrey Erlings is always Jeffrey Erlings. So if he decided to come uh, in Matali Basin, for example, just to do two races and then go to the nation, he can do it and he, he will perform very well. We know he's able to do it. But I think that uh, the, this kind of... Uh, Third call he had this year to stop uh, was enough for this year. As a point where I think in his mind also is something that's okay. I need a break, a longer break. I need to regroup once again, to restart once again, and to come back once again. It just takes me so much energy just to say this and to think about. I cannot imagine how it can be for him every time to do this process that is really demanding. And maybe also in KTM, someone starts saying, okay, wait, now we wait a little bit longer for the beginning of next season. Uh, how many races Jeffrey did this year? Probably still more than most of the riders out there. As with all the races he did in Italy, in Germany, in UK, in Belgium, in Holland, it's in Germany probably, it's a lot a lot of races is really what you need when you're 30 years old when you are injured so often i don't know it's always a, a question mark that nobody will be able never to give an answer 
But as I said at the beginning of the season when he was doing all these races, I know that he needs stars, stars, stars and races to just build up his confidence. But to me, if you're not able to have a super good confidence when you are so good rider, like we're talking about Jeffrey Erlings, we're not talking about uh, uh, a new rider that nobody knows about him. We are talking about probably the best rider uh, ever um, in, in some of the the skills that he has and the talents that he has. We're talking about the most winning rider in number of races ever. What brings you so much more than a good training to be at the ADAC, to be at the French Championship while you fight with riders that you can lap uh, at every race? I don't know. But uh, I'm not a trainer. I'm not a team manager. I'm not... Uh, I'm just... Uh, almost a journalist, probably not even a journalist, following races with a passion and looking to the races since 20 years. But to me, sometimes the good sense of saying safety first uh, would be would be good. Then the crash he had in uh, Holland, the last one, was really unpredictable, was really <sighs> difficult to explain when you see the video. So it's not always his fault, but probably mostly of the time is not his fault but uh i would be more just care- careful yeah it's interesting you say that obviously there's so many races he doesn't need the money but he's just such a competitive beast and he feels like he needs it whereas you can understand guys like spees and cock that share the adac responsibilities with the mxgp they end up doing spees was saying he did a 12-week block of every weekend racing and then they had the indonesia and then another 12-week block so you know, you can understand those guys doing that. That's a lot of workload they're putting through themselves. But Jeffrey's doing that same thing when it's not overly necessary. But yeah, it's an interesting discussion. But, you know, he does what he wants to do. He runs his program. He feels like sure. it works. So I just wanted to say one thing on Ferrado, mate. I don't think too many people would have had him finishing ahead of Fernandez, Kolnoff, Siwa, <laughs> Prado, Jonas, Bogers. You know, it's just so impressive what he's doing, mate. So all those riders he's way ahead of. And another man that we need to show a lot of respect to and you know he deserves it is Calvin Belandrin getting fourth overall had a couple of off weekends the last couple of GPs a lot of things out of his control obviously Ferrato had that incident with at Arnhem but yeah another impressive effort he sort of goes under the radar sometimes and gets a bit overlooked especially when it comes to getting factory rides which he deserves but we're interested to see where his future lines up once it's announced but yeah great ride again mate how was he on track and he's always a very thoughtful analytical intelligent rider and Doing what he's doing with that program, nothing short of impressive, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. Um, we said last time that uh, I'm not sure what happened with uh, Calvin Blander and uh, on the on the on the sand because the best races he did this year were on the hard pack, and what when and we know that Calvin is a fantastic sand rider, or it was. I don't know what the answer is if it was or it still is, but in fact. Uh, his home race was probably the worst of the season for him. And one of both, I mean, the two worst uh, race for him normally, like Turkey, like Spain, like Lockett, were the best. So he was probably able to mm, doing pretty, pretty much better on hard pack this year, on training and everything. And he's showing, I mean, a fourth overall is a great result uh, for him. Fantastic, uh, just uh, uh, close to the podium. Um, and he deserves I think he will have a, a factory ride next year 
in the meaning that uh, would be an Italian bike, uh, an Italian bike that is pretty similar to the bike he's riding at the moment, because uh, we know that the Fantic 450 is a Yamaha 450, and that's a good uh, a good news for him because the bike will not change. In fact, it will be almost the same bike he has this year, uh, what fits very well to him. And on the other hand, it will stay in the same team. And on the other hand, it will be a factory team. So with uh, more resources, more stuff to test. Uh, and uh, I guess if there is a second place there for someone uh, uh, that uh, still look for a ride, I don't know, for example, uh, can be Glenn Koldenov, Alberto Forato, or someone like that. Because why not? Uh, when a factory put an effort to make an MXGP factory team, uh, it makes sense to me to have two riders. Otherwise, uh, you find out uh, like uh, uh, they do in KTM that uh, they don't have uh, one rider on a factory bike. I mean, Alberto probably is riding with some material for... Uh, for, for uh, Jeffrey, but there is not the factory bike there. Last time they've tried, it was uh, uh, to was last year, the beginning of the season, Martelli Basin with Matisse Boirame, number 172, uh, didn't went so well. Uh, so why not doing two riders MXGP, two rider MX2 next year for KTM, for example, and having Jeffrey Erlings and Alberto Forato under the same owning with the factory bikes, and maybe uh, to uh, Andrea and Liam uh, with MX2. That can be an option to me. But then it looks like uh, the KTM uh, is, they push a little bit more for MX2 to grow young talent than to send to Gas Gas, to Squadron, to Squadron, not really, because they don't have a factory riding for 50 at the moment, at the moment. Because the rumor in the paddock is that someone is preparing a white, uh, factory bike uh, for 50 for next year so this would be really interesting as it will be really interesting to see how everything moves in between orange red and white yeah there's so much undecided still isn't there mate it's going to be interesting once they all get finalized yeah. and brought to light to share with everyone because there's a lot going on behind the scenes there we're hearing so we'll keep an eye on it for sure and before we let you go mate because i know we're a bit strapped for time here but just any final thoughts from mxgp and mx2 i guess mx2 liam evans he keeps keeping the damo honest doesn't he mate he's not letting him get away with it too easy and obviously maybe you probably stretch it out to the last round it would have been a fairy tale to have both the titleists crowned and his training partner the smets guys prado and the damo crowned in majora but it doesn't look like it's going to happen with the way evans is going and adamo's has had a little bit of adversity there mate but Rare weekend where Langenfeld was off the podium. Van der Moesdijk had some good speed. Elzinger showed plenty. Oliver and Braceres showed they had some pace at times, which was pretty cool. But yeah, Horgmo, what an effort for him, mate. Great for Mark and the team to get some really tangible reward for all their effort. You know, they're putting a lot of work in behind the scenes and making it all happen. And with Horgmo moving up MXGP next year, that's great timing to get that podium and riding so well in a moto win. That's so good in that class. And yeah, Yago. Getting on the podium, pretty cool for him too, mate. So you're pick of that bunch. Yeah, I would start from the end. I mean, Iago did a very good race. Uh, after Arnhem, I was expecting probably a little bit more from him. was expecting him to fight more like Liam did. Uh, in fact, probably this was the race where he gave up uh, on, on the title chase. Of course, it was a really difficult uh, uh, chase because uh, trying to recover all this big gap as quite impossible but still 
uh, if you take him in the best uh, shape possible, winning two motos uh, this weekend with Andrea having this big disaster, I don't want to say that he will reopen the championship, but of course, would bring him in a better position. In fact, uh, at the moment, his number one uh, target is still Liam Evers and not Andrea Adamo. Um, Kevin Orgmo did a very good race, uh, was fighting. Probably Liam um, gave him a big gift with this little slide uh, at the end of the moto, the second moto. And those three points maybe we'll miss one day. We don't know. We will see. We will see at the end of the season. But still, it was a very good, positive weekend for uh, Liamski. Uh, Andrea could uh, left on the ground almost twenty four points at every round. Uh, I mean twenty three point three three three. Three, three. So, uh, or we would say 24, 24, and 23 in three races. So he lost 24 this time. Worst race of the year. I hope for him that it will stay, remain the worst race of the year for him. So uh, in this case, now he has 48 points. Uh, and now he cannot lose 24 at each round because if they go equal points, will be Liam to win uh, the championship. So at least he can lose 23 points in uh, Majora and 24 in Matterly Passing. Of course, I'm joking. I hope he will just come back. He was coming back already in a second moto. As I said, the track didn't help him a lot uh, in overtaking. But the fight with uh, uh, the poor Simon Lagerfeld that was completely messed up and destroyed in the second moto compared to what he did on Saturday in uh, race one, uh, that was strange. I went to the his uh, box, uh, talking with him after, just after the race, and he was just like uh, could not understand what happened there. And I said, "What happened?" I said, "I don't know. Track was different. Uh, uh, I like it more. Uh, uh, was better yesterday. Was better in race one. But in fact, something happened in his head. I don't know. But he wasn't able really to fight like he did in the first moto. Was." Almost perfect. Uh, so it was interesting to see all this mix. It was cool to see Rohan van der Mosdijk coming back so good uh, and being able to fight for the podium. Uh, he missed really from nothing, but uh, it was really good to see him fighting again for top positions on uh, such a hard pack track. Uh, where uh, he's not supposed to be the best rider ever. And uh, for Kevin Gormo, I'm happy, first of all, for Mark Derover, as Mark uh, put his heart and uh, everything he has, uh, all his energy and strength into uh, this uh, uh, training and work he do with, uh, with the riders. And he was really pissed off with everything I was going until now. Uh, then he was happy to see finally good results. Uh, Kevin really need good results as he has to now search for a 450 bike. Uh, it would be difficult to find uh, probably a purely factory bike for next season. Even if we know that there are some places in Beta, in Fantic, uh, and maybe uh, somewhere else. But still, he needs to show what he's able to do because uh, otherwise it would be tough for him, for Ronda and the Mosdaic. Uh, for uh, all those riders, apart, of course, of Iago Gerstead, already as a ride. Let me say also something about uh, uh, Oliver, uh, because uh, he did a, a good race. Uh, I was expecting 
him to be selected. Mm. Maybe it was because of the nature of the track and maybe because it's a quite a factory team and they go there mm. already uh, with Kevin that he was selected, uh, uh, David Braseras. Because David this year, to me, he didn't show really his potential. That he's really good still, mm. but he didn't have that great season. And uh, uh, to me, uh, Oliver was able to really uh, do the step and uh, and to make a very good improvement on the sand and very good improvement in general. Uh, so we, we saw him a couple of times uh, riding in front, uh, being able to be in the top 10 uh, and maybe could be a little bit more hangry, you know, to show uh, good results uh, riding alongside uh, with riders like Jorge Prado, for example, that uh, is a, a super good rider. And of course, with uh, uh, Ruben Fernandez, that was finally able to do again a very good race uh, in uh, Turkey. Yeah, he's just looking to get through the season, Fernandez. He's had a couple yeah. of big hits in the last few weeks. So good on him for keep showing up and keep putting in the time. And yeah, it's interesting, like you said about the Spain team, very strong. Obviously, they probably would have gone for Fares if he was 100% back from his injury. So he's still in recovery mode. Before we let you go, mate, was awesome to see you on the studio show, mate. That was really cool on the TV. Show. <laughs> Very cool, mate. I encourage anyone that hasn't watched that to check it out. Check out the great man's insights. And tell us a little bit about Majora coming up. Exciting home GP for you and a lot of riders. And also the SMX playoffs this weekend. Just your closing thoughts on those, mate. Yeah, I would just want to spend one word about uh, the WMX. Uh, as Courtney Duncan uh, uh, just uh, scored uh, the fourth title uh, in uh, uh, WMX was uh, taking him uh, to the second best rider in number of titles uh, after Chiara Fontanesi alongside Steffi Lajer. So there are just few uh, in those, uh, uh, a lot of years, maybe 19 championship, if I'm not wrong, 19 championship, it's possible. And we have just few uh, world champions because we have Chiara Fontanesi with six titles, Duncan uh, with four titles, as Lyre with four titles, Livy Lancelot with two titles, and then we have Catherine Prum with two titles. And uh, of course, uh, uh, last year, Nancy Van de Ven with one title only. So it's a kind of uh, uh, club of the top riders of the world. Duncan, uh, deserves probably at the moment more titles than what she has because uh, she was quite unlucky and had uh, quite big crashes in past. Uh, otherwise, uh, she could have won at least five or six titles, I guess. But anyway, uh, really happy for her, really happy for New Zealand, They're really happy for the Kiwis. As you know, I have a special love for uh, this country and these people. And uh, of course, uh, it's always good. But we have a little uh, bad news uh, in Turkey as we didn't have any Italian riders at the gate. What is unusual for us because we have three, four uh, good riders normally taking part of all the races, but uh, all the riders were injured or not able to compete. So no Italian riders at the gate. And that was uh, quite uh, a big mess. Uh, while you, you know there were two Iranian riders coming directly from Iran with a uh, bus uh, with the national team. Uh, I made a couple of shots of the red bus with uh, M motocross national team, uh, Islamic Republic of Iran or something like that. And it was very cool, even if they were honestly really far from being able to compete in a world championship. 
But I always love when I see uh, different little, I mean, not so little country, but uh, a country where the sport is not so developed that try to make the effort to be at the World Championship and to just compete and uh, try to uh, see what is the level. Uh, for what concerns Majora, Majora is in two weeks. Uh, no, Majora is in one week. Uh, it's another Majora. Is Majora as the Italian Vintage Championship, and there is a big battle. So I invite everyone to follow uh, uh, the social media and whatever about Majora because we will have again after 2007 the big duel Tony Cairoli on the KTM, probably 96, uh, 250, two strokes against Christophe Purcell on the Kawasaki 97, uh, 250. Two strokes. So it will be a great battle. We will have also uh, Mike Brown and uh, uh, other riders competing there, That like Doug Dubak, for example. Uh, so it will be funny and it will be just uh, a kind of appetizer for then the GP the week after. A lot of interest, of course, around Majora. Uh, I'm uh, working in the press room and I have a lot of uh, requests of accreditation from. I have to say a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, magazines, uh, newspapers, websites and stuff like that from all over Europe. And of course, uh, mostly from Italy, because, uh, uh, as you said, two titles can be uh, given there. But as would be not the case for Dynamics 2, I'm pretty sure, as Andrea will need to fight uh, till UK to see his dream, his dream become reality. For what concerns Prado... 61 points is still possible to do it, even if uh, it would be not his priority uh, to win in Majora. But I think it would be his priority to come back after the worst weekend of uh, his uh, of the season of the year, while he wasn't able to be even on the podium. So uh, Majora would be a great one. We will have a lot of surprises. We will have uh, a lot of guests. Uh, we will have. Uh, the legends uh, of the motocross, uh, uh, they are still working in motocross today, like people like Joel Metz, uh, uh, like uh, Jackie Vimon, like Jackie Martens, like Tony Cairoli, like uh, uh, all the riders that are, were world champion or won races were competing uh, in uh, motocross uh, during the past years and now are still working, involved in motocross with the manufacturer, with the team or with the riders. They will do a parade to open the Grand Prix on Sunday. And Tony will probably ride Saturday and Sunday, of course, just showing himself on the track, on a bike, on special gear, special helmet, special boots, special everything. will be a special weekend. So come over, guys. Yeah, mate, it'll definitely be a crack. And hopefully James from MX Vice lands to get there, I believe. So hopefully you see him there, mate. But thanks again for your time. Before we let you go, we'll thank the sponsors for the end of this one in AS3 Performance Parts, the home of aftermarket motocross and endurance parts, from hardware and protection parts, including skid plates and radiator braces, to performance cooling parts, including silicon radiator hoses and oversized impeller kit. AS3 also have a huge range of brake, clutch and gear levers, all with different features and adjustability. Check them out online at as3performance.co.uk. And Kawasaki Motors UK, like always, getting plenty of good airtime on here with their riders doing so well. So they're pleased to announce the arrival of the KLX 140R range. Easy to ride lineup offers a 144cc engine plus suspension and push button electric start making for great trailblazers. The machines come in three different sizes, ranging from Junior's first tentative step to pushing the door wide open on adult riding. The highly regarded range is ready and willing to add fun and enjoyment in 2023. 
contact your local dealership for more information. All right, thanks again for joining us, Lorenzo. Any final thoughts, mate, before we wrap it up? And yeah, all the best with everything and enjoy the racing. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Ed. It was a pleasure, like always. We will, uh, of course, talk after Majora to see uh, what uh, happened there. And it will be exciting uh, to make a report uh, about this race. So thanks again. Have a good day, as I will have a good night, because we are on the other side of the world. And it's always a pleasure talking with you, Ed. Thanks again. Thanks, mate. Always a pleasure and have a good one.